0: Thank you for joining me for today's BeastWatch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, beastwatchnews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers-Brown. The upcoming Gog of the land of Magog War has baffled people for eons, probably since the generation after Ezekiel prophesied about it. That was around 2,600 years ago. Gog has been lost in the mists of time and travels since then There is no need for his identity to be a mystery The Bible tells us plainly who he was and where he was Although the scriptures don't tell us where he went We can follow his path by listening to what the historians tell us Armed with information, we can come closer to understanding Gog, his whereabouts and his agenda and desires that will be carried and fulfilled through his descendants in the end of days. Listen now to Part 1 of this two-part report to understand the coming Gog-Magog war. Gog and Magog want something. The mystery is what? In all the millions of books and articles written about the coming Gog-Magog war, few, if any, have asked the question of what does Gog and Magog want out of this war? The question needs to be asked because it is pivotal to understanding the whole thing. In fact, once we do what the Lord said in interpreting Scripture and returning to the beginning, we will see clearly the reason for the war and what Gog Magog hopes to get out of it. I have to make a disclaimer at this point, because you must understand that this first part, the tracing of the people involved in the war, might be boring. It won't be for history buffs, and I truly believe even non-history buffs will find it interesting, but you must stick with me until near the end of this to understand this war. It is necessary to get all the background in order to understand what will happen and why. Isaiah 28.10 says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. This is how we're going to build this teaching. One precept at a time, one line at a time. When we're through, I think we will finally be satisfied with the outcome because it will be built upon Scripture and not upon guesses. If the Lord meant what He said when He said in Isaiah 46, verses 9 to 11... Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, The man that executes my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. If he meant those words, then why do we keep looking for the interpretation of scriptures outside of the Bible, as most scholars are wont to do, when it comes to the Gog-Magog war? First, we must realize Gog Magog is Jehovah's war. Ezekiel 38, four says, And I will turn you back and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you forth, and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. It will be Yehovah that puts the hooks into the jaws of Gog and Magog it is Yehovah that causes Gog and Magog to attack Israel but why we will discover that Gog is actually a disobedient and defiant remnant of Yehovah's people that he will bring back to Israel for their specific judgment Further, let us understand that the Gog Magog Wars are not Armageddon. The simple difference between them is the nations that participate. Gog Magog is a specific grouping of nations listed by Jehovah in Scripture that attack Israel. Armageddon is all the nations of the earth, two very different groupings. So, Who is Gog? In scripture, we are given genealogies for a reason. They are not just names in a list. They are there for us to understand historic and future events. Again, I want to make a disclaimer. The history of the people we are about to examine is much disputed by the most learned scholars who cannot agree among themselves regarding Gog's origins and migrations. I will present a theory that, in most cases, seems to be the commonly accepted view among historians, archaeologists, etymologists, and other related disciplines, and I will spend the majority of our time together tracing the location of Gog. He seems to be the most difficult to find, yet determining his whereabouts is pivotal to our understanding, so please bear with me as we do this research. The reason for the ongoing dispute from time immemorial over where Gog is today has to do with the fact that many people migrated to the area that Gog and Magog are known to have migrated to. Over time, these people intermingled, creating and losing their nation-states to the point that any attempt to single out Gog and Magog is to engage in trying to find a short blonde hair in a pile of straw. Yet, the Bible makes it clear that one of the most important events having to do with the Great Tribulation is the Gog-Magog attack on Israel. As always... Do not take this teaching for granted. Do your own research. In Scripture it seems Gog and Magog's actions and fate are connected to each other. Ezekiel 38.1 And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, And prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn you back and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you forth, and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with you. The list of characters in order are Gog, Magog, Meshek, Tubal, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, Gomer and Togarma. Gog is Strong's 1463. The meaning of it is the name of an Israelite, also of some northern nation. Let's go to 1 Chronicles chapter 5 and start in verse 1. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, For he was the firstborn, but forasmuch as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. The sons, I say, of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, were Hanok and Paulu, Hezron, and Carmi, the sons of Joel, Shemaiah his son, Gog his son, Shimei his son, Micah his son, Reah his son, Baal his son, Bera his son, whom Tiglath-Pilneser, king of Assyria, carried away captive, he was prince of the Reubenites. Gog is a descendant of Reuben. The genealogical list I just read skips all the generations from Reuben's four original sons to a descendant named Joel. Gog is the grandson of Reuben's descendant, Joel. Thus, Gog is from the tribe of Reuben. His name is associated with being the head of the Gog-Magog alliance in Scripture. Gog is not a title for the beast, as some teach. It is the name of a man who was born in Israel, in the territory given to Reuben by Moses. And now, let's take a look at who is Magog. Magog is Strong's 40.31 and it means a son of Japheth also a barbarous northern region let's go to Genesis chapter 10 starting at verse 1 now these are the generations of the sons of Noah Shem, Ham, and Japheth and unto them were sons born after the flood the sons of Japheth Gomer, and Magog, and Madai and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshech, and Tyrus. Magog is a descendant of Japheth, who is the son of Noah. Now, who is Meshech? Meshech is Strong's 4902. Meshech, a son of Japheth, and the people descendant from him. So, Meshech is Japheth's son and Noah's grandson. Now we're going to look at Tubal. Tubal is Strong's 8422 and he says that Tubal is a post-Diluvian patriarch and it refers also to his posterity. Post-Diluvian means after the flood and so, Tubal is the patriarch, and Tubal is also his descendants. So, Tubal is a son of Japheth, who is the son of Noah. In Ezekiel 38.2, three of the sons of Japheth are listed, and those are Magog, Meshek, and Tubal. Magog, Meshek, and Tubal are, of course, brothers. Gog and the Sons of Japheth that are listed in Ezekiel 38.2 represent modern-day Germany, the Scandinavian countries that are just north of the Black Sea, Spain, Portugal, Italy, and Turkey. Add in Gog, and now we are dealing with four nations, and so a point to understand is that these four men Gog, Magog, Meshech, and Tubal became nations that have existed from the earliest days of the earth after the flood to the present. Scholars of every relevant discipline have traced these four men to the region around the Black Sea. But from there, the history becomes convoluted, complicated, and much disputed. Notice that Strong's defines Gog and Magog in exactly the same way. Each is called a descendant of someone, and each is a northern nation. Northern means north of the Middle East, north of Israel, north of Jerusalem. This northern region is unspecified in Scripture, just as is the place where Jehovah scattered His people. He scattered us to places that our forefathers never heard of. It appears Magog probably migrated north to the region around the Black Sea first, followed by Gog. There is roughly 1,800 to 2,000 years between Magog and Gog, But Gog becomes the head, the chief, captain, the Rosh of this pair. By the end of days, Gog and Magog have been together so long that their military action against Israel, in the end, is in unison. Historically Gog and Magog were together in the region of the Black Sea from very ancient times and their association is like that of twin children or very close playmates who are inseparable. Gog and Magog inhabited the northern area of the Black Sea region and Meshek settled in the region that is south and east of the Black Sea. We know this region today as Turkey, Georgia and Armenia. Gomer, Magog's brother, who is not mentioned until verse 6 of Ezekiel 38, had a son, Tagarma, who settled in the Black Sea region too. Tubal, Magog's son, moved to the Black Sea region as well. He is among the Spanish, Portuguese, and Italians today. The region northeast of the Black Sea is known as the Pontic Caspian Steppe and was inhabited by people known as the Scythians. The Pontic Steppe covers an area of 384,000 square miles extending from Bulgaria to the farthest west point of the Black Sea through Romania, across Moldova, Ukraine, southern Russia and Georgia. Separate passages in the writings called the Jewish Antiquities and the Jewish War of the first-century Jewish historian and scholar Josephus show that Jews of that time identified Gog and Magog with the Scythians. Alexander the Great, Josephus said, locked these horse-riding barbarians of the far north behind the Caucasus mountains with iron gates the ancient Greeks considered the Goths to be Scythians. Germany was known as Scythia, according to Nennius' history of the Britons. Then Scandinavia was anciently called Scatanavia. Ireland was known as Scotia Major, and Scotland was called Scotia Minor. Strabo says, All the nations toward the northern parts the ancient Greek writers, called Scythians. Some researchers claim Scythian culture had similarities to Hebrew culture. Among these are that pigs were not eaten. The Scythians practiced the boiling of meat by the instructions found in Ezekiel 24.5, which says... Take the choice of the flock and burn also the bones under it and make it boil well and let them seethe the bones of it therein. A German or Scythian custom mentioned in the writings of Tacitus on Germania states what seems to be Israelite related activities as follows. The deities of the Germans are not confined within the walls, nor fashioned into any mortal shapes. They hollow groves and woods, and call by the name of gods that hidden presence which is felt by reverence alone. It appears Gog took the house of Israel's penchant for mixing worship of Jehovah with other forms of worship when he moved to Scythia. Many passages in the Bible mention groves as places of Israelite worship, for instance, 1 King 14:15, and the biblical command to not make unto you any graven image or any likeness of anything is also well known, except in the worship of Mars war deity, which it seems the Scythians did worship. Scythians did not have kings, the ancient Israelites were allowed to have a king by Jehovah, but he viewed them having a king as a rejection of him. But another passage seems to speak of the Scythians, Hosea 3, 4. It says, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without teraphim. It is no coincidence that Ezekiel 38 speaks of Gog as a chief and not a king. Ezekiel 38, 2 Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Strong's 72.18 is Rosh. It's from an unused root, apparently meaning to shake, according to Strong's, but it means the head, whether literally or figuratively. It can also mean captain, chief, company. Many scholars have tried to fit Russia into the position of Gog based on the word Rosh. This is not correct, because Russia is not the head of anything outside itself. Another trait of the Scythians was that they didn't intermarry with other nations. Tacitus says, quote, The Germans never to have intermarried with other nations, but to be a race Pure, unmixed, and stamped with a distinct character. Hence a family likeness pervades the whole, though their numbers are so great. And Herodotus wrote quote, The Scythians are dead set against foreign ways. Some believe the Scythians, or Germans, took upon themselves the status found in Numbers 23.9, which comes from Balaam's blessing that Jehovah made him speak. Let's go to Numbers 23, verse 8. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord has not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. The ancient Germans seem to have taken it upon themselves to separate from the surrounding peoples and dwell alone, just the way that the Lord told the Israelites to do in Israel. Earlier, I said the Scythians, Goths, and Germans are all the same people. The idea that Gog and Magog were connected with the Goths was long-standing, and there will be more on this later. Where I am going with all this association is that Reuben's descendant Gog is a progenitor of some of the ancient Scythians who are now modern Germans. Many historians have tried to couple the Israelites with the Scythians. There may be cause to believe that after the Assyrian absorption of the house of Israel, some of them migrated to Scythia. But my contention is that the similarities between ancient Scythian culture and Israelite culture is not because the entire house of Israel is Scythian, but that Reuben's descendant Gog migrated there, taking Israelite law and culture with him. Aurelius Ambrose, who lived from 340 to 379 A.D., claimed that Gog is the Goths. From his selected works and letters, he wrote of a coming war between the Goths and the Romans. He said in those writings, Quote, That Gog is the Goth, whose coming forth we have already seen, and over whom victory in days to come is promised according to the word of the Lord. And they shall spoil them who had been their despoilers, and plunder them who had carried off their goods for a prey, says the Lord. And it shall be in that day that I will give to Gog that is, to the Goths, a place that is famous for Israel, a high-heaped tomb of many men, of men who have made their way to the sea, and it shall reach round about, and close the mouth of the valley, and there the house of Israel shall overthrow Gog and all his multitude, and it shall be called the Valley of the Multitude of Gog, and the house of Israel shall overwhelm them, that the land may be cleansed. The Roman historian Tacitus describes the Germans, of whom the Goths are a group, as a people with nomadic lifestyle and a love for warfare. The Goths are known to be settlers of Germany. The Goths are not the only people who settled Germany. The Visigoths and Ostrogoths settled mostly in East Germany. The other Goths that came from Scythia, that's modern-day Scandinavia, spread out to the other areas of Spain, Portugal, and France. From a linguistic viewpoint, the words Goth and Gog are very similar, but we can't rely on linguistics. Other scholars have done that, identifying God as Russia simply based on the linguistics of the Hebrew word Rosh for chief or captain. So we must consider something else to determine if Gog is Germany. One principle used by scholars to settle debates like this is to try to find ancient references within the modern culture. We do, in fact, find that GOG figures prominently in German culture in modern times. Just Google GOG German and you will find these associations. GOG Slalom. GOG Gang of Germany, an acronym. GOG German Obsidian Gaming. GOG as an acronym. GOG German Open Championship. Golfing, a German dog breeder whose kennel is Shelby's Alexandra von Gog Gog, German Objective Gaming another acronym using the name of Gog and the German government itself is referenced as Gog on a website discussing biofuels there are Germans whose names are Gog franz gog for instance it is clear the german people know their origins and they don't hide it actually in plain sight is the best place to hide something a final interesting fact about the scythians is that they were also known as Aryans. recent history records for us the fact that germans regard themselves as a superior race called Aryan. The other country we must look at for Gog is France. Scholars tracing Rubin point to France. Germany and France are close allies today, and they have been for a long time, but during World War II, older brother Gog subsumed his younger siblings in his attempt to rule the earth. Belgium is France's neighbor whose people are descended from the same people as the French. I did not present all of this history and genealogy to wear you out, but to make a point that I believe Gog and modern Germany are intimately connected. Later, I will present more evidence why Gog migrated from the land of Israel. Now, let's turn to Magog, who has much the same migratory pattern as Gog. Having been identified with the Scythians and today's Scandinavian countries, many scholars believe Gog and Magog both are associated with the ancient Goths. Their alliance with each other seems very old and is the very thing that complicates pinpointing their current whereabouts. The idea that Gog and Magog were connected with the Goths is long-standing. In the mid-16th century, Archbishop Uppsala Johannes Magnus traced the royal family of Sweden back to Magog, son of Japheth. He also identified two of Magog's descendants as Sueno, progenitor of the Swedes, and Gitar, also known as Gog or Gogus, ancestor of the Goths. Traces of Magog can be found in Sweden, Finland, Hungary, Iceland, and Denmark, and these are all Scandinavian countries. And according to hyperhistory.net, the sons of Japheth are also in these countries the Slavic countries of Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Moravia, Bulgaria, Bohemia, Croatia, Serbia, and Bulgaria. Today's Armenian and Georgian peoples are not only descended from Magog, but also Magog's brother, Meshek, and his nephew, Togarma. Magog's brother Gomer had three sons, Ashkenaz, whose German-Jewish descendants bear his name, Rifath and Togarma. Togarmah's descendants show up in history as Armenians, Georgians, and some Turkic peoples. We first find them mentioned by the Hittites in the 14th century BC as the Anatolian kingdom of Tegarama, then later by the Assyrians, as a people called Tilgaramu. After spreading south to Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey, Togarma became one of the ancestors of the people of modern-day Turkey. Though many Turks claim to be descendants of Togarma, they are also descended from Magog, Togarma's uncle, and Meshek, who also was a son of Japheth. It appears that most of the descendants of Japheth migrated together to become the ancestors of many of today's modern European and East Asian nations and modern Turkey. Now we have to look at another son of Japheth who will be involved in this war, Gomer. He is mentioned in verse 6. Gomer is the oldest son of Japheth, and he is associated with Germany, along with Gog, and not only Germany, but Austria. Now, who is Tubal? He's mentioned in Ezekiel 38 verse 2. Well, there are two traditions regarding Tubal. The first is that Tubal is the ancestor of modern Spain. The second is that Tubal is the ancestor of the Italians. I believe both are correct. Both the Spanish and Italian languages are related, and the two countries share many cultural similarities. The other country associated with Tubal is Portugal. Ham's descendants are involved in the Gog-Magog war. Ham is the middle son of Noah. His sons that are involved in that attack on Israel are Cush, or Ethiopia, and Libya. We will learn more about Ham in a little while. The reality is this. Trying to place Gog-Magog... Meshech, Tubal, Gomer, and the others in specific areas is not possible. Magog and his brothers probably migrated very early in Bible history to the areas around the Black Sea where eventually other people joined them. Gog migrated 1800 to 2000 years later to the same area as Magog and his brothers where he established himself as a leader, a chief, a captain, a head, Rosh, over Magog and the people in the area. These two biblical families continued their migration northward into Europe and possibly into Russia as well. They established themselves as rulers in their respective nations, political boundaries changed the place names evolved over time as we have seen just in the example of the Scythians who are now called Scandinavians diplomatic relations have waxed and waned between the two families of Japheth and Reuben over time yet the Bible tells us they remain together until the end the fact is that both Gog and Magog and Magog's brothers' descendants mixed in with some other European people, comprise over half of the nations of the European Union with Germany as its current leader. Germany is where Gog's influence is found greatest, but remember, Gog is also in France and Belgium. Belgium is the seat of the New World Order in Europe, with Brussels as its capital. There is a reason people believe that something major comes out of Europe during the end times. People have believed for centuries that the Vatican and the Pope would be the Antichrist, the Whore of Babylon, Mystery Babylon, the Beast of Revelation, and the False Prophet all rolled into one. There has also been the belief that the European Union is one or all of these. I believe the reason for this is because those who are sensitive to the Lord's words and who are interested in prophecy can feel something that has been unarticulated until now, until the time of the end. Perhaps now the time for the articulation, the explanation for the belief that the European Union will play a significant role in the end of days, has come. Germany has taken the lead to become economic sovereign over all the other member nations except four. On March 2, 2012, the Treaty on Stability, Coordination, and Governance was signed. This treaty places the budget of every member nation in the hands of one person, Angela Merkel. Through her, Germany is now economic sovereign, leading the way for all the other EU nations. According to the New York Times, last updated September 12, 2012, Quote, as Europe has struggled with its sovereign debt crisis, Mrs. Merkel has become the continent's preeminent leader. Unquote. All of the other nations seek her advice and report to her regarding their country's budgets. I suppose I could have started this teaching by simply identifying the European nations as the place where Gog went, but that would not have been satisfactory. I attempted to answer the questions I knew would come by telling you how I traced Gog and Magog. Here is the list of countries where Gog, the descendant of Reuben, and Magog, along with his brothers, the descendants of Japheth, are now. Gog is in Germany, France, and Belgium. Magog is in Sweden, Denmark, Finland, Ireland, Hungary, Iceland, Poland, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Moravia, Bulgaria, Bohemia, Croatia, and Serbia. Meshek is in Turkey, Georgia, and Armenia. Tubal is in Spain, Italy, and Portugal. Gomer is in Austria and Germany. Persia is Iran, and in fact, Medai, the third son of Japheth, is ancestor to the Medes, the Persians, the Afghans, and the Kurds. And then, of course, we have the descendants of Ham, Ethiopia and Libya. And now, let me explain that Sheba and Dedan that appear in Ezekiel 38.13 were grandchildren of Ham through his son Cush, who became the modern nation of Ethiopia. You see, this Gog-Magog war is a family thing. Let's list the EU countries that are also descendants of Reuben and Japheth. Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Poland, Portugal, Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden. There are 27 EU countries. Over half of them can be traced to Gog and Magog, Reuben and Japheth. Now let's re-read Ezekiel 38, 2 and 3, inserting the names of these countries. Son of man, set your face against Gog, Germany, France, Belgium, the land of Magog, Sweden, Denmark, Finland, Ireland, Hungary, Iceland, Poland, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Moravia, Bulgaria, Bohemia, Croatia, Serbia, and Bulgaria, the chief prince of Meshek, Turkey, Georgia, Armenia, and Tubal, Spain, Italy, Portugal. Ezekiel 38 3 describes Gog as the chief prince of Meshek, the land now known as Turkey and to ball the nations known as Spain, Portugal, and Italy, as I've already said. Indeed, the European Union, head as of right now, Germany, does rule over Spain, Italy, and Portugal, as these nations are experiencing perhaps the worst economic crisis in their history. Ezekiel says Gog is the head of the land of Magog, and the chief prince of Meshech. Ezekiel was to prophesy against him, Gog, whose titles seem endless. Strong's 5387 is nasi, Hebrew for prince. It also means exalted one, governor and ruler. The word chief in Hebrew is rosh, as I said before, and it means head. So what is the land of Magog that Gog is the chief prince over? I believe today's European Union is the land of Magog. Most of the nations in the EU are ancient Scythian or modern Scandinavian nations, and now most of them are under the guidance of Gog or Germany. Gog, or modern Germany, along with France and Belgium, are the head of or ruler over Meshek, which is Turkey, but not Georgia and Armenia. How is it that Germany rules over Turkey? Well, Turkey is interested in becoming a member of the European Union. Turkey wants into the European Union so much that it has now allied itself politically with Germany in order to gain accession into the EU. Ezekiel thirty-eight four says, And I will turn you back and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you forth, and all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. The phrase, and I will turn you back, can mean a lot of things. The Hebrew word for that phrase is shub, which means, among other things, reversal. Strong says this word, number 7725, does not necessarily carry with it the idea of returning to a place where one started, but it can mean that. In fact, that is exactly what I believe. Yehovah will put hooks into the jaws of those nations to cause them to reverse or turn around and return to where they began right there in the Middle East and, in the case of Reuben, right there in Israel. What are the hooks in the jaws? What does Israel have that the European Union will want? Oil, most likely. But the word there is plural, so it will likely be many things. In addition to the oil will be the enforcement of a two-state solution with the Palestinians. Another item on the EU agenda will be to occupy Jerusalem as the international city, after the UN has voted in favor of that. Troops will be sent in full armament, according to Jehovah, the phrase all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, needs a dressing. The word armor has been added. The Hebrew word there is mechol. It is Strong's 4358 and means splendid. So the phrase actually reads all of them clothed splendidly. A soldier who is clothed splendidly is a soldier who has the latest, greatest, most technological gear. He is a soldier for his time. The time, I believe, we are speaking about is right now in the first decades of the 21st century, when military technology is running wild. Ezekiel 38, 5 and 6 Persia Ethiopia and Libya with them all of them with shield and helmet isn't it interesting that these countries are not arrayed quite as splendidly as the troops or soldiers of the European union Gomer and all his bands the house of tagarma of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with you now we see that jehovah says many people with you who are the many people I believe it is the people that Gomer and Togarma, as well as Gog, Magog, Meshech, and Tubal, are mixed into. The nations where they went are not only inhabited by them, but by many other people as well. Ezekiel 38, 7 Be you prepared, and prepare for yourself, you and all your company that are assembled to you, and be a guard unto them. Who is Jehovah talking to there? Gomer and Togarma. He is telling them to be prepared to protect themselves and to be a guard to some others. Who would Gomer and Togarma be guarding or protecting? The EU nations. Remember, Gomer and Togarma have descendants mixed in with the Georgians and Armenians. Generally speaking, their diplomatic and political ties with Israel are positive, but at some point in the future, this will change and these two nations will act against Israel. Both Georgia and Armenia have strategic military bases in the region. When Gog, leading the EU, sweeps down into the Middle East, Israel might ask Georgia and Armenia to allow them to use their military bases to counterattack the EU. The Lord is telling us these two nations will protect the EU and throw Israel under the bus. Ezekiel thirty eight eight. After many days you shall be visited. In the latter years you shall come into the land that is brought back from the sword, and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have always been waste. But it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. The phrase, After many days you shall be visited, has a better translation. The word visited there is the Hebrew word "pakad," Strong's 6485. It means muster. Mustering is military language for calling the troops to war. The phrase would be better read, after many days you shall be mustered. We know this happens in the end times because the scripture says it is in the latter years. In the latter years Gog, the whole land of Magog, which is the European Union, Meshek, which is Turkey, along with the other nations mentioned, will come into the land meaning Israel but Israel will at that time be a land that was just brought back from the brink of war the scripture says it is brought back from the sword verse 8 also tells us that at that time Israel will be a nation that is gathered out of many people and are there on the mountains of Israel which became waste or desolate the word in verse 8 for waste is the Hebrew word hayah. It means to become. The implication, then, is that at some time in the past, Israel's mountains became waste or desolate. But the scripture says the land became always waste. Well, the Hebrew word for always is tamid. It means to stretch or continue. So, A better way to possibly say this phrase is that the mountains of Israel became continually waste or desolate. We know this to be true. History confirms scripture here. Israel was so desolate at one time that Mark Twain commented on it. But going further back, we also know that Israel was a land of abundance. The reason for the land to have gone from abundance to become continually waste or desolate is because of the sin of the people that got them vomited out of there. Ezekiel thirty eight starting at verse nine, You shall ascend and come like a storm. You shall be like a cloud to cover the land, you and all your bands and many people with you. Thus says the Lord God, It shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come to your mind, and you shall think an evil thought. And you shall say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take a spoil and to take a prey to turn your hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land the number of troops attacking the land will be very great in number and they come like a storm meaning suddenly without a warning one day the sun is shining, but give it a few minutes and the storm rolls in. Politically, that is what it will look like to the world. The change in the Gog and Magog demeanor will be sudden. The attackers will think an evil thought, which the Lord tells us. They will attack the unwalled villages. What are the unwalled villages? These are the new settlements where the Jews are living. These areas do not have walls. This is why I say part of the reason for the European Union attacking Israel is because they will be there to implement the two states to remove all the Jews from the West Bank. Verse 11 says the people there dwell safely. One of the things prophecy teachers stress is the peace and safety or peace and security issue that will come to visit Israel in the end of days. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 says, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. I believe this verse in Thessalonians is referring to Ezekiel 38.11. Israel will have been pulled back from the brink of war. The citizens there will have felt the strain and stress of wondering if war was imminent for months or years. After being pulled back from that brink, they will be breathing a sigh of relief, just as Gog Magog attacks. Verse 12 gives us further insight into the motivation of Gog Magog for this attack. It is to get a spoil what spoil well let's think for a moment what israel now has that the eu is fast running out of because of sanctions against iran oil come back next week for part two of this report on the coming gog magog war that's it for this beast watch news update this is kimberly rogers brown signing off Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of day's Bible prophecy.